0: it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. I'm a veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage four prostate cancer, so during the initial stages of the COVID-19 outbreak, my doctors advised me to stay at home. But now, a little more than a year later, I'm fully vaccinated and I've rejoined society. But I'm still continuing this podcast when I'm calling the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who I've met throughout my 30 years in this industry. Plus, this year, I'm going to be calling some people and making new friends. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. So while I'm vacation up in the Dakotas, I took a second and looked at all the incredible people I've spoken with during the course of making this podcast, last year's creation into this year's second season. It's a great list of friends, colleagues, acquaintances, coaches, players. That's all that this podcast was about was just talking to people, reconnecting with people. But it struck me that in this second season, I hadn't done any fellow media members and there's been a guy I've wanted to have on for a while. And now I've accomplished it. I met Ari Timken a few years ago through his radio show on Sirius XM Big 12 this morning. He co-hosts it out of Dallas with former Iowa State and NFL quarterback Dave Archer. They're a great combination and Ari's a Big 12 guy even though he spent most of his career down in Texas. He's actually from Chicago and then he went to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, KU and graduated in 2007. And I really love the opportunities I have to join their show. We have a lot of fun. We talk some Big 12 sports, some K-State sports, but mostly we laugh. And that's really what I think good radio is. People talking about stuff, but having fun doing it. And I really clicked with Ari from the very, very start. It's been a great pleasure to get to know him. I reconnected with him at Big 12 Media Days, and I told him I'm going to have him on. And here we go. Let's call Ari Timken in... Plano, Texas. Hey. What is going on, Mr. Timkin?
1: What's up, buddy? How are
0: you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Do you notice I bailed out of Big 12 Media Days a day early?
1: I did not notice you being
0: there uh, on Thursday. Yeah, I uh, I got back to the hotel and I'm like w- why am I staying tomorrow? <laughs> right. I and, mean and then I mean KU bailed, so I kind of felt like a trendsetter. <laughs>
1: It was so perfectly KU. How funny was that? It, it was. And
0: here's, here's my conspiracy theory. And you're, you're a KU guy. Uh, by the way, listeners, I'm sorry I brought a KU guy onto your uh, little show here. Um, this is my conspiracy theory. It was a real Bill Snyder move. It was like, hey, it's really bad weather right now. It'll clear up an hour. Too bad we can't go. <laughs> you know, like the guys don't have to face questions. I don't have to face questions. We don't give anyone bold and board material. We just lay low and, and just keep working away.
1: Well, and, and really there's really nothing positive from a KU perspective in the news, especially, you know, for which they would like to rehash, you know, I mean, they don't,
0: Yep.
1: <laughs> Lex Leifel doesn't want to take questions on, a bullying scandal or You know any of the other
0: BS that Yeah is, I mean you know because it's Inevitable uh, monkeys in the Media and I'm including us in that uh, Of course would, would ask about Les Miles The history you're Right all the negativity and that Would be the point of discussion for the most Part there'd be some optimism out there But you know it, why, why Bring that all back up why remind Your players of the crap they've been through Instead of looking forward
1: Right. Exactly. And I mean, if I'm, if I'm Travis Goff, if I'm Lance Leipold, I mean, I know you know, coaches constantly want to be looking forward, right? Like right. I always, I always find that funny how coaches are never introspective. You know, it's always looking forward, constantly, never looking behind. And it's almost as if it's like a negative thing to be introspective on your life and, you know, look at the past mistakes you made or, you know, try, try to, you know, it, do better based on those past mistakes. But like with this, it's like full on. I do not want to look back. There was nothing to look back on. That was not me. You know, and look, I'm, uh, I'd be the first to tell you, I think Jeff Long may have had the worst tenure for any power five athletic director ever considering his path of destruction for
0: Kansas. Unbelievable. Unreal. And that's what astonishes me about KU sports is basically since Bill self's hiring they haven't gotten much right I mean I guess Man nah. Mangina was right but I didn't think Mangino would work and I was I was impressed he's he was a heck of a head coach but other than that I mean every football coach since then I've looked at and thought yeah that's not gonna work this one's different I think that they got the right guy finally.
1: Well, and, and to your point, I mean, not even just the football coaches, but I mean, you know, Lou Perkins with a ticket scandal and, you know, how bad of an athletic director he was. And then, you know, you had uh, you know, you had, um, Zanger who was just well in and over his skis, you know, I mean, he just was not <laughs> the right fit, you know, and then, and then he, and then he, Jeff, uh, you know, Jeff long. So, I mean, it was like bad football coaches, bad administrators. And I don't know about you, but I, I think KU has hit a home run with Travis Goff. You know, I mean, I, I think they got lucky that he was a, a you know, he was a, um, an alum because you know Northwestern has done a really good job in producing really good administrators. You know, we saw one of their former athletic directors become the commissioner of the ACC. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a string of bad athletic directors. It's been a string of bad football coaches. So you're right. I mean, it's Bill Self is uh, is the loan <laughs> And that's why they gave him a lifetime contract.
0: <laughs> and even that has been, you know, when's NCAA ever going to get around to ruling on this stuff? This is look whether KU violated rules or not. It you can get a murder trial faster than this. This is they're just letting it hang over them over Kansas and Bill Self, and if they didn't do it, clear it up. But if they did it, hold them accountable. This is absurd.
1: Well, you know what I think is going to happen, Tim, is I think I think Ku could end up being a pretty good, you know, like um, precedent for amateurism. So what's going to happen is they're going to rule. They're probably you know at some point. In the next three, five, six, seven years, right? <laughs> and I would imagine it's going to be a pretty harsh ruling. And then, Ku is going to sue them, and they're going to use the Supreme Court ruling as a precedent for why, you know, they were just paying market value, and this is what the market's established. and And I think they can even use the FBI's investigation. You know, because they'll almost use it to their advantage because they'll look at and and all the subpoenaed information and evidence and 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 you know and uh, all of the um, you know in court all the things that were said and say hey here's the market this shows that there was a market that was exactly what the Supreme Court ruled on and so I think like when when the IARP does finally come down with its ruling I do think that like Kansas could potentially be a. You know, like one of those case studies we look at down the road in terms of, you know, breaking down the role, you know, amateurism, because it seems like a perfect case for them, especially given the Supreme Court ruling.
0: College athletics is about to change and it is changing in drastic ways. And Ari, I don't know that it's going to be for the good. I mean, it's I'm supportive of what's happening for student athletes. Yet I recognize the possible ramifications of all this might be the collapse of college sports as we know it.
1: Well, and, and I think the thing we have to remember is both of those things can and will be true, right? Like we can all agree that it was the right—it's the right thing to do—to allow college athletes to, to profit from their name, image, and likeness. It's the right thing to do. It makes sense given the landscape of college athletics and all the money out there. But I think you're right. Like it—that it, doesn't mean that it's all right and good, and especially. Like with all these things sort of coming together at once, the transfer portal, you know, the one-year free transfer, name, image, and likeness, Supreme Court ruling and what that could mean. Like I, I think it's hard to predict what the outcomes are going to be here. And I, I mean I definitely think you're right. There's no there's no doubt that it is 100 percent going to be changing college athletics as we know it, no doubt.
0: In my one day uh- – being the star of the show at big 12 media days, um, so many autographs. Oh my gosh. Um, it, uh, people
1: were fainting People I know.
0: around us were fainting. I know I saw chip Brown start crying and I thought that was, that was nice. It was very nice of chip. Uh, it, uh, it struck There's me only one
1: site that runs 24 seven baby. Yeah. That is go power
0: cats. Yes. With our huge reach of K state fans. Um, Bob Bowlesby, I don't know if you caught this, but when he kind of slid in there when talking about all the changes in college athletics, he mentioned, well, we haven't been successful at knocking some of this down. And, I, and my ears went, what? What? I mean, I I know that you might have opposed it and you wanted to argue against it, but now that it's here, man, you got to support it. There's no going back. You're not going to win. You're just kind of being obstinate at this point if you're saying we want to knock all this down. Look, I don't know what you want to knock down. You want to knock down the ability of of young people to actually profit from who they are instead of you? Or are you against young people getting a chance to transfer to a place that's better for them? But that's not better for you. It's just – it was so – it was the the past generation, you know. Like, whatever's we this is going to impact us. It's not going to be good for us. And it's like that's not what this is about. <laughs> you know, I didn't catch that. Um, that surprises
1: me, and <clears throat> I it surprises me because it does seem like Bob Bolsby's done a good job of being pretty proactive. But I mean, you're completely right. Like you're, you're that's you're missing the entire point of all of this. If that's your reaction. Like, you don't, you don't get it, you know? And, and that's, I mean, the NCAA has been so slow to react to this. It's like, you know, I made the joke that it's so perfectly college to procrastinate and do it the last second. You know I mean? That's like, oh, absolutely per- <laughs> perfectly encapsulates my college experience is having something to do and waiting until the last second and doing it. And that's exactly what the NCAA did when it came to, you know, defining the rules of NIL and whatnot, but it's not even just, You know, that it's like an obvious thing to do. I think like, and I don't want to speak in too far generalities here, but like, it does seem, it does seem a lot to him. Like, you know, the, 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 just the feeling from the general public has changed so much, right. Where I think so many more people, not, not everybody, I I get it. But a lot of like 10 years ago, I think if you polled college football fans, I, you know, I don't know what the percentage be maybe 80% would say, no, you don't pay them. But I, I think that shifted so dramatically in terms of just public perception of it. And I, I think that's really been enhanced over the last 10 years. And maybe that's because some of the, some of these, you know, TV deals are so public now, or they maybe used to not be as public or like people in the media would know about them, but maybe generally speaking, most people didn't care. But for whatever reason, I think we've seen a pretty dramatic shift from the general public in terms of pay for play. And it's just, it's always been funny to me because it's, it's socialism. Like college athletics has been a form of socialism where you have, you know, the football players essentially, you know, facing the burden of the responsibility to basically make all the money needed to fund athletic departments. And so, you know, that's, that's what it is. It's football funding the entire athletic departments. Yeah. And, and so you have people, generally speaking, that are very anti-socialism, very pro-capitalism people that are suddenly now have shifted and completely gone the other way and they're pro-socialism, anti-capitalism when it comes to college athletics because that's all this is. You know, for years it was like, How do we pay these players? I don't know, how about capitalism? Just let them be able to like this isn't that complicated. You don't have to pay them, but maybe eventually there are packages that schools could offer that include money, you know, and, and that's obviously a different discussion, but it's just like, yeah, I mean, let them go out in the marketplace and earn money from their name and like this, like this isn't that complicated. That's how the rest of the world functions.
0: Well, socialism, socialism isn't bad if you're at the top. It's it's fantastic, and that's what administrators and coaches were. They're at the top. They yeah, love that. Yeah. They love that because it it all kind of flows through them. I think we're the public. Good, getting back to your point about a few years ago, a lot of people, most people, had been opposed to this, and now they're not. I think the biggest reason is coaches' salaries. Uh, when when you're seeing great, great coaches get into the eight million dollar range. million range coordinators going over a million or even approaching 2 million. I think the general public's like, hold on, hold on. What, what's going on here? There's obviously a saturation of money that is trickling into pockets. It's just not the players. And and I think that's when people change it. The salaries, they want to complain about NIL. They want to complain about transfer rules. All right. It's the salaries that are going to break college football. College sports coaches are just again, we're talking about interfering in the free market, but there almost feels like there has to be a salary cap at some point. This is crazy the arms race to pay not just head coaches, but we're going to have 13 analysts and we're going to have, you know, right. four former head coaches that are just sitting around doing stuff for us. It's nuts how the staffing arms race has just blown up.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, and you're, you're you're right. I think public perception probably changed with that. And it's, you know, it's you're right. The pool of money, you know, you see coaches getting, um, they're getting raises, and it's like, well, they got a raise, but also it's, you know, it's a raise for the pool of money they now have for their coaches. And, you know, I do wonder too if if some of this NIL stuff and sort of long term implications of that will be, you know, that there's now less money available potentially for schools, you know, and and because of that college seller or coaches salaries goes, down. I don't know, but maybe now that there's another sort of quote unquote mouth of the feed in terms of players, when it comes to the money involved, maybe that's sort of the, the tipping point for the market changing. Cause it's, it's all at the market, right? And if, if you have universities that don't have the incomes, you know, the revenue that they have to justify paying a coach, you know, eight, 9 million bucks a year as they've got gotten, then that's what, that's, what's going to change the market.
0: It's insane. It's absolutely insane. But uh, there's money there. It's just uh, will they eventually have to share so much money that it'll start cutting into Olympic sports? I'm I'm really fearful for some of these smaller sports and what might happen to them. I we're in interesting times, no doubt, no doubt.
1: Well, that's where and that's where your point about the long the changes and the negative changes like that that's when you said that that's what I felt. You know, that was what I was thinking. Was yeah, I mean. The byproduct of this could be the, you know, erasing a lot of sports on campus, and just continuing to pour more and more resources into the sports that make money, and completely, you know, d- dismissing the other ones that don't.
0: So I got a, uh, <clears throat> I got a direct message from Ryan, your producer um, with uh, SiriusXM, pointing out that Texags, a, a website similar to mine, and one probably. The overall most successful college sports website out there, it's its absolutely incredible. They set up a network around themselves. But they paid, using NIL, two Texas A&M football players 10000 apiece for exclusive interviews. First of all, you guys are making too much money if you can afford that. I could I – could, I could, I could, maybe some McDonald's gift certificates. I could do that. But uh, – <laughs> I, ten at ten thousand a piece for exclusive interviews. It's crazy, but here wow. we are. Here, here, here we go. And this is a website that covers recruiting. And I know how the NCAA looks at sites such as ours as as the evil den of of all things because we actually cover recruiting. But man, this is this is already we're <clears throat> we're a week two weeks in, and the NCAA's got a problem. Well, so I don't te- know what they're is, te- is tech tw- they're not even related. They're,
1: they are, no. they're not rivals you 24 seven, right? They're their own thing, right? They
0: were their own thing. And now they've started a network called F5, which we looked at, um, when, uh, we were, our contract was up and we gave serious consideration to it cause there's some real advantages to what they're doing. It's, it's more of a collection, a co-op of independent sites than a network, mm. um, <clears throat> But uh, they're extremely profitable, and, right? And part of what their advantage is: first of all, they were the first in a, in a giant market, uh, and they've got the Houston advertising market. So they, I think, they make more off of advertising than I make off of uh, everything. I mean, they just the amount of money they make off advertising is just stunning. But uh, they're also an incredible well, site.
1: Well, to your, and, and so think about this, okay? So they do; they have exclusive interviews now with. I'm looking at their site, Isaiah Spiller, right? The star running back for, for A&M. Um, then, then there's a spot, there's a title sponsor in there, green print real estate group. Sorry to give them that free pub, but, but so, so I wonder too, if, so they're paying these guys 10,000, I wonder if they also say, Hey, by the way, if we tie in a sponsor to you, we'll give you X amount from that, from that deal too, which or maybe they're just using that to cover the cost of what you know of yeah. what of what Isaiah Spiller costs. But I, I mean, I I know of cert, similar deals where you know it'll be X straight up, but that also, hey, we'll also give you a percentage of any of the advertising that we bring to the table in terms of um, of this interview. So yeah, that's just a brave new world. It's a brave new world.
0: It sure is it It's crazy, I mean, it didn't take long for this to morph into something that I, nobody was really ever imagining and um, you know, Ryan asked me down at big twelve if we'll we'll do any n i l stuff with players, and my immediate reaction was no i mean we're we're classified a recruiting website, even though that's a fraction of what we do. I don't know how us covering recruiting is any different than the Kansas City star covering recruiting, but here we are um. So, no, that could put K-State in real jeopardy and we're not in the business of of kind of, you know, having a fallout like that. That's bad for business. I mean, if if the NCAA comes after Texas A&M, I think that'd be really bad for Texas Ags. But we'll see how this all pans out. I think the theory here is probably, well, the NCAA is not going to do anything. They just got clipped by the Supreme Court. They're going to just sit back and let this happen.
1: Yeah, I agree. So do you think that? So let me ask you this. Do you think that this is would you classify this as more too much of an enticement in recruiting? Is that is that is that what you'd you'd say this is?
0: Well, yeah, I don't know. I you know, I mean, I guess if you're a recruit, you can look at this and say, Heck, I can go to A and M and get paid ten thousand dollars for an interview. You know, that that is a little scary. Um, but what what's to the stop them from I'm I'm not going to say they're going to do this. What's to stop a website from saying, hey, 2023 recruit, we're going to pay you $5,000 for an interview, for an exclusive interview. And uh, then based on your decision, we might do a second interview with you if you pick the right school and pay you again. You know, you didn't say come to our school, but if you pick the right school, We'll pay We'll do another interview later. So it's kind of yeah. like a backhanded, Hey, pick my school. I'll pay you $5,000 for an interview. It's, well, it's really unknown what we're going to get into here.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, what's to stop. I mean, I know a lot of these kids are, are making their commitments on, you know, a CBS sports HQ or on different, on different publications. So, I mean, what's not to stop, you know, Texas x or being like a guy that's in on A&M or Florida state or whatever, Hey, we'll pay you X amount of dollars as a high school athlete to, you know, to make your commitment on our, on our website, you know, now you're driving all this traffic to the website and, and then to your point, and then, Oh, by the way, if you pick the right school, we'll give you X, you know, look, I, I think, I think 10 years from now, we'll look back and be like, Oh man, like. Uh, to your point, and I've, I've kind of thought this from the start, like there's really no way to know all of the ways in which this is going to be impacted. Like we can sit here and we can come up with, you know, all these different thoughts we have on how, what could happen. And many of these things very well might happen. And there will be some sort of like immediate market things that happen, but then there could be, you know, th- th- but then there could be some corrections to that based on certain things. So I, I just think like 10 years from now, we'll look back and be like, wow, I never anticipated this happening as a product of that or that happening, you know, as a, you know, as a, uh, a negative consequence of it, like there's going to be, and it's not just NIL, it's the transfer portal thing, you know, it, it's, it's the Supreme court ruling. So it's like, you have all these three monumental things happening at once, you know, a hundred years of amateur athletics and basically nothing changed in a hundred years. And in like a year or less than that, in like two weeks, in the entire model of college athletics changes. And I don't know if there's any way to truly predict all of the sort of consequences. And, you know, not not necessarily consequences being a negative connotation here, but both positive and negative, all of the unintended and intended consequences of it.
0: Yep. And I think the thing that upsets me the most, and we can probably agree on this, is the fact that uh, when it comes to name, image, and likeness, I have no value. I, I, there's nothing there. I mean, nobody wants my name, image, or likeness for their, their business. Why, why would they? I'd probably affect sales negatively because they think, oh, that guy's ugly. (laughs) No. No, I, I'm happy for the kids. I'm happy for the kids that, uh, had legitimate things, um, or they had, you know, built up value. For example, let's go to the, the, the Shane Porter TikTok. Uh, at Kansas state, I mean, right. the, the kid's got almost a million followers on TikTok, So he's done his due diligence. He's built a social right. media platform. Now we can agree that uh, if you're going to be a big macho football player, poorly lip syncing, Justin Bieber isn't going to buy you value. Uh, <laughs> but even as bad as we can perceive that video being the views were undeniable. I mean, if you're an advertiser, you don't care if people are, are like, this is dorky, but it's brought to you by Ari Timken Enterprises. You are you got your business out there. It's great. Right. Well, and, and so there's like
1: all these different buckets, you know, and, and so one of them certainly is like maybe athletes that aren't huge names in terms of like being great players, but they've done a really good job of cultivating an audience, through content that they've created. You know, that's what, like, I've always loved about YouTube is, you know, when it comes to traditional media, Tim, like there's a, there's an entry point, right? Like there's, so you need to know people and there's certain ways you have to break down certain barriers and, you know, and there's so many different people that want in. And so there's, there's a very specific entry point for traditional media, but when it comes to YouTube or TikTok, in this case, it's like, no, 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 it's a true meritocracy. Like you can get, the, the audience you can garner because of your content and the way that you know how to, you know, tag your content and so on and so forth, like that will only grow you a bigger audience. And so I, like, that's really cool to me. And so that's a great example you brought up of, here's a guy that's done something to justify having an audience. And we might not agree with it. Like that's just poorly lip, lip-syncing Justin Bieber. And it looks weird, which I agree with completely. But like, doesn't no matter what I think, this guy's got a lot of people watching his videos. And so that's important because now there's, major value tied in there to an advertiser independent of the football side of things. But I mean, not like, it's great now that they can monetize because as a college athlete, they would have to basically give up their eligibility in order to monetize for something completely independent of their athletic abilities.
0: Right. Right. It doesn't make sense to me. It never made sense to me. I remember years ago, it seems like I was an SMU player. I can't remember what school it was who was trying to print, T-shirts, not related to him, or it was just like the NCAA stepped in and said you can't do that. You know, you can't you can't put out T-shirts at all. And I'm like, what the?
1: Yeah, Where's the like, common sense?
0: Yeah, I mean that was before they lifted some of the rules, allowing players to work and make money. Anyhow, we, we I ended up in the weeds. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus.
1: What brings you to the shy? Opportunity. Everybody
0: get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.
1: When you have sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels? Is the best quarterback available in the draft, Guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one. I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape number two most transferable stuff to the nfl and then i think the third thing is pocket peace search for the rich eisen show on youtube or wherever you listen
0: i want to talk about you that's the important topic here give me your background how did you you're from chicago correct
1: yeah from the northern suburbs of chicago
0: so um, uh you were in a gang i get it okay and uh of course. and but you ended up at kansas uh, take me through that process how you ended up uh being a ku person w- were you not able to get into any good schools and you ended up at KU? <laughs>
1: i mean pretty much <laughs> <laughs> no my uh so i have an older sister that went to ku and there's a you know pretty large contingency um really from i would say out of state that's amazing you it know really chi- chicago minneapolis dallas you know there's a lot of a lot of people that I ended up meeting from those places and, you know, for whatever reason. And so, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't give my full effort in high school. So I didn't really have a great, you know, <laughs> resume. And so I, I mean, honestly, I didn't even apply anywhere else. Um, you know? And so I, you know, huge basketball fan growing up. It was my number one store to play. And, you know, and I go visit Lawrence and, you know, just enjoyed everything about it, you know? Um, and obviously I'm sure had I visited other schools and gone other places, I would have felt the same way, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was basically just that simple. Like I just didn't really try or apply myself in high school, didn't have good grades. and So didn't have a great ACT score. <laughs> so, you know, my options were pretty limited. And so ended up at KU and look, I mean, uh, it was the best decision I ever made because I met my wife. Um, I met some of my best and closest friends and, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, didn't know really anything about the state of Kansas before I moved there, but obviously learned a ton about the state and all the, all the good that there is to offer in that state and the city. And then, you know, my, um, you know, in the city's around and then, you know, my, I, I intern, I had an internship with my good friend, sir, Petro at a 10 in Kansas city and a bunch of guys that worked there had started at some uh, radio stations in Moberly, Missouri, which is about 30 miles north of Columbia you know, in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. in the middle of the, in the middle of the great state of Missouri. And, um, and so that was, you know, I stupidly decided I should get into sports talk radio. And so I took a job in Moberly, Missouri, right out of college. Um, that was, you know, I probably made about $25,000 a year, maybe a little bit more. I was working crazy hours. I was doing a lot of like ag news and, you know, small town radio stuff. It was like this tiny town town of 30,000 people. And, you know, and it was uh, basically like the, the, the radio station for all these tiny towns. So you know, we did a lot of high school play by play, some small college play by play. And um, it was, it was really difficult once I was there, you know, I mean, it was just a difficult thing growing up in Chicago and living in this tiny town. But i tell you, I mean, it, it, all that I've done in my life and my career, I could trace back to, you know, the experience I had there. You know, I, I was on the air every day. I was, you know, really cutting my teeth doing that. And you know, I long story short, moved to Austin after a few years in, in Moberly and I didn't have a job. I thought I was gonna get out of radio, but I kinda was able to sort of maneuver my way into a position in Austin and I wouldn't have done that. And wouldn't have been able to without the experience I had in Missouri. So, um, you know, and then basically had a talk show in Austin by the time I was 20, 25 years old. That's crazy. Um, 104 on the horn, yeah. And again, all because of the experience I had on the air every single day getting those reps
0: in Missouri. That's one of my things about young journalists is – places like me, you know, I afford these guys an opportunity, my students to cover Kansas State sports. They get to do it if they're in the student media too or they're working for, you know, every athletic department or school now has a television arm because that's just what you got to have. We have K-State HD TV here and they essentially get spoiled. That's what I'm saying. They this is what it's about. No, it's about going out and covering high school sports. It's about grinding. It's about You know, learning this job at the very basic level when you're completely overwhelmed and you've got to produce something or write something for a deadline, you got to learn all of that as it impacts you in the real world. But I see these guys get to skip these steps and they end up, you know, maybe covering college right out of out of college, and I I feel like it's going to break down at some point. So
1: no, I you got to have that foundation. I agree with you completely. I mean, and look, I think there's you know there's more than one way to skin a cat. I always, I'm I'm always. (laughs) If, if you know you you talk to people and it's like hey can you talk to this nephew of mine or this grand you know grandson of mine or this kid you know that really wants to get into the you know sports journalism and and give him advice and you know so I've done so many of those probably a hundred honestly and it's so interesting how you can kind of tell you know, certain things about certain people, but also like so many people are just like looking for a quick answer, like the, the easy answer, you know, where it's like, like some of them where it's like, they go in there and they're like, okay, th- I want this guy to hire me where it's like, okay, that like, just start off by knowing that's not going to happen. You know, like number one, like, I'm just going to give you advice, but you know, you should use this advice to your advantage, potentially get hired by somebody else. But it's like, I always tell people, I'm like, look, this is the path I took. It was extremely invaluable for me to take this specific path because I, I don't think I could get to where I am today without it, but it's not everybody's path. Everybody, you know, some other people take a different path. Other people go to major markets and immediately cover big time athletics. But yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, that, that's the path I took. Um, it's the foundation of my career. You have to, it's the adversity, right? Like this is part of that idea of why people get upset about the transfer portal of hey, transfer without a penalty but it's the idea of like you have to overcome adversity in your life, right. and if you if you're if you're unaccustomed to doing so, you're going to fail. And I, I believe that, like I truly believe that, that if you are accustomed to uh, constantly avoiding adversity, well, you're, at some point it's going to it's going to end you because if you aren't equipped to handle adversity and how to overcome it and and deal with tough parts of your life then it's, it's, you're going to succumb to that adversity. And it's the folks that have been handed adversity have had to deal with it and then overcome it. Those are the ones that are able to consistently do that. And in my career, I've had a lot of adversities, you know, even when you, you quote unquote make it or whatever, you know, you still have different like risks you have to take. And I, you know, I, I think in my career, like so much of my career is, taking risks and moving places without a job and, and just betting on myself and it like I just there's no way to be able to do that if I didn't have the baseline of you know having those adverse circumstances or or, or as you mentioned, covering the lowest level of, of athletics and getting that foundation and all that stuff.
0: Yep. It's it's builds a great foundation, but you did move up pretty quickly. Austin, San Antonio, um you do pre and post for the Cowboys, not a bad gig. So you were back home for big twelve media days. Did you yeah. tell everyone oh, that yeah. this is my yard? This is you're playing in my yard right now.
1: <laughs> I did, I made it known to everybody. And I had not been out there all year last year. Yeah, you know, I'm used to going for every home game. We're out there at ATT Stadium, so it was it was weird to be back for the first time in uh you
0: know, over a year. Yeah, uh, true. Um, the whole thing's weird. So weird. But how did you get hooked up with Sirius XM? This is really cool. That's how basically we met. And uh, I'm honored to do your show once in a while, Wish Dave Archer wasn't on there. He cusses so much. <laughs> and he calls me fat ass on the air. I don't think that's nice I mean, at it's- all.
1: It's an embarrassment. You know, I just can't believe he would do such a horrible thing, especially you're not fat. You know, you're, you're a big guy. You're tall. Well-built.
0: I'm poorly. (laughs) I got big bones, man.
1: So, you know, you know, I, um, I mentioned, I've kind of bet on myself taking risks in my career. Um, you know, I, I moved from Missouri to Austin without a job and kind of worked various odd jobs before I was able to, to kind of position myself, get myself in, um, to a job in Austin. And then the company in Austin owned this company in San Antonio, And so I, I got, you know, I got promoted from within to be the program director and show host on, on ESPN radio in San Antonio. And while I was there, I was trying to keep, you know, sending out resumes and talking to people. And I interviewed for a job in Houston after Nick Wright left that I thought I was going to get, but I didn't end up getting. Um, and so I was just, you know, six, six years or so at San Antonio and I was ready to get to a bigger market. And I actually, um, at one point in my the final year I was in San Antonio, my cousin who is in, you know, in in New York, I was going to say Manhattan, but I meant like you know Manhattan, New York, the, the big other apple. one. Yeah, <laughs> the other, of course, the other one. He, um, you know, he he's like, hey, we should do a we should do a startup because he's uh, a what he does basically, uh, starts up companies, tries to make them successful, and so he's like, we should do a sports media startup, um, and digital, we should, we should bring sports content to Facebook because Facebook at that point in time was just rolling out digital, you know, video basically. And so we thought it could be like a new YouTube and there was an opportunity there. And so, you know, it really of my comfort zone. I'd always done radio. And so now I was learning like video production, filming, editing, you know, posting, understanding the SEO part. You know, I think a lot of people in our business, traditional media, especially are sort of opposed to, you know, new age media and, 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 you know, I'd say go Powercat probably straddles both, um, you know, the traditional and, and the new age to a certain degree. So it was very much outside of my comfort zone, but you know, I just went in, you know, I just dove in, dove in, you know? And so I was doing a lot of, um, talk shows, you know, in, in video on Facebook and, um, you know, I, I what happened is I, I ended up, you know, moving to Dallas because I got the opportunity for the Cowboys and I was doing the startup. Now, the Cowboys job was not a full time job and it's not a full time job. So it was like, all right, I'll get to Dallas, I'll do the Cowboys, I'll do the startup and, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, I got lucky because, you know, and and this is again betting on myself, but one of my good buddies, um, a guy named Peter Burns, who I knew from San Antonio, who was in San Antonio, you know, he's with the SEC network, he was with um, SEC radio. And so the, the, the PD in uh, for Sirius asked Peter like, Hey, we're going to launch this big 12 channel. Do you know anybody that might be good for it? And because Burns saw me doing like a video talk show every single day on Facebook, I was, I was top of mind for him. And you know, he knew I went to Kansas, I live in Dallas. So it's like, perfect. You know, you're right in the heart of big 12 country. You're big 12, you know, it's absolutely perfect. And so, that was how I got hooked up with Sirius XM, but it was, you know, it was the, the things you do that you may not think give you a benefit. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, a lot of people don't want to do some of that dirty work or, you know, things that they they don't see the immediate benefits from, but uh, you know, and I didn't, I'd be lying to you if I told you I did it because of that. Like, I didn't know that that was what was going to happen, but he, you know, he told me like, oh yeah, I was seeing you do these shows on Facebook all the time thinking like, you should be back on the radio again after, you know, being in San Antonio and not, not being on the radio anymore. So yeah, I mean, you were top of mind when Maz asked and, 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 you know, obviously the rest is history. So it's, it's, to me, it was a good lesson of like, sometimes the benefits of the things you do aren't immediately known, but you know if you feel like it's right for your career keep doing it because eventually benefits will 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 show themselves
0: yeah that's that's one of my philosophies is just trust your gut you know i've talked about it before Mal- malcolm gladwell blink the book it's it's really about yes. trusting that inner voice and that instinct you have as i've i've told young people every bad decision i've ever made i knew it was a bad decision but i overruled it <laughs> You know, whether it was as a kid stealing a sign off the highway, um, which was a bad move, by the way, um, I knew it was bad, but I did it with my buddies and, uh, that luckily I got off the hook for that one. But you know, every time I've made a decision that hasn't worked out, I was like, I kind of knew it, but I overruled it. So if you just trust that voice, you know, for example, I, we started up a, a magazine in 1998, uh, And it was a horrible financial decision for the Fitzgeralds. We both gave up our full-time jobs and moved to Manhattan and started a business and bought a house and it's worked out. Okay. You know, here we are, but you just kind of trust that voice. And if it feels right, you stick with it. Even if it's not working right then, that's kind of been my philosophy.
1: Yeah. And that's a great, you know, I haven't thought about the book blank in a while, but I do love a lot of Gladwell in terms of like, You know, big picture things like that. And that's such a great example of like, and especially when it comes to like taking risks, you know, because I don't know that you and I are any different than anybody else. We just, you know, we just went for it and we took the risks and, you know, you, you, there's a level of like fear of failure as a catalyst for success to where like you just work so incredibly hard because you can't fail. And so that's what makes you successful. But I, ju- I just think it's like this too many people have too many filters for why things won't work out, you know, and, and I, I always get disappointed by friends or family members, whatever it is, when it's like when there's a lack of confidence in themselves or like you get stuck in jobs you don't like. And it's like, what do you want to do? Go try and do it. You know, like, what does your gut tell you to your point? Like, take a risk. What does your gut tell you? Because worse thing that can happen is you fail. That's
0: not that bad. Yeah, because there's a lesson there that might lead you to something better. You just never know. Uh, Exactly right. But I think it's cool how you went from um, going to Ku. You overcame that, and uh, (laughs) (laughs) to to Moberly, Missouri. uh, You they probably have a Mitch Richmond. Statue there in Moberly. Um, uh,
1: uh, hell yeah, Moberly Community College. Dana Alden was the coach there too. Yep, yep. Or, Oregon coach. A lot of, a lot of good basketball players have come out of Moberly area. I think, and a lot of them gone to K State afterwards. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, yeah, we 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 were uh, bending the rules before rules were made, and um, <laughs> then you go to Texas. But now, Harry Timkins international. He did. Board, borders can't stop your your signal. It just goes. F- <laughs> Up into space into my eardrums. It's amazing. <laughs> do you ever think about the the incredible variety of people that are listening to your show? Is it just like a podcast or anything else you might do in media? You don't think about who's listening, you just do it.
1: Right. No, you're exactly right. You do and you forget sometimes. Like I'll get either texts or like messages in social media for people from people that I've known that I haven't talked to in so long they are like, Oh, I heard you do this and it's like, Oh yeah. People are listening. Like you do forget it at times, like, oh yeah, I'm not just sitting in my office like talking to nobody.
0: <laughs> but you know what's funny is I think that's the secret to good podcasting radio, you know, what what you're doing, um, what's it called? Uh Interstellar, whatever. Um <laughs> I don't know. Um uh, you, you don't think about those things. You just have a conversation within the boundaries you're you're given, whether it's language or topics or whatever, but you're just having a conversation and it happens you're doing it into a microphone for others to hear.
1: I mean, that's the best radio or the best podcasting, right? Like it one hundred percent is just drop somebody in on a specific conversation and you know, become a fly on the wall on a conversation that's compelling or interesting or
0: right.
1: you know, thought provoking thought provocative, thought provoking.
0: You, you had me till yeah. the end. I I'm not used to provoking <laughs> thought. I, <laughs> I make pee-pee <laughs> jokes, Ari. That's pretty much what I do now with cancer. I just make jokes about it.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's that's exactly right. It's it's um, you know it's D and F jokes, as I call them, or you know <laughs> D and fart jokes. That's all I do. That's good. You know, some people some people cure cancer. Some people are rocket scientists, and I, I make uh, D and F jokes on the air.
0: Exactly. I know it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And I do want to thank you for, um, in all seriousness, lending me your platform to talk about prostate cancer awareness. And you, you've been kind enough to make sure on a regular basis, you ask me about that and get that message out. Cause it's obviously very important to me and you have a rather large platform.
1: Well, I, I appreciate you very much. And I mean, I, I appreciate you as a human being, but also as an ambassador for, something that's very ugly and a lot of times avoided. Um, and so, you know, look, I, I, it, I don't know what I will do if, if I ever have some sort of cancer in terms of being public about it. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I, I just think we all react differently, but exactly. I have such a, I think I have such an incredible amount of respect for people like you who are so public about it. It's such a private thing, to, you know, that, again i don't know how i would react if i'd be willing to be so public about it so i just i admire you for your strength in fighting a battle like this so publicly because it it, it that's got to be difficult that's got to be very difficult
0: my my few lessons that i share with people cuz i i do get a lot of calls i you know that's one of the things being open about it you know can can my husband call you absolutely so first of all you got to find what works for you I mean, you're right. You can be very private about it. Um, if that's your comfort level, you've got to be comfortable. And the other thing is, uh, being a sports guy, I always tell people, you're the general manager of your cancer, your illness, whatever it is. You pick your team. Your doctor's your head coach. You decide who's on the team. And if someone isn't helping you win, even if it's family, you move them off the team. You 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 get some distance from them because you gotta have the positive energy for healing. You just do. You can't you can't be negative about it. You can't be woe is me about it. Uh, you can be private or public, but you gotta keep looking forward and making plans.
1: What's the thing that people? Because s- like I'm always concerned about how I talk. To friends of mine that have, you know, parents or relatives that have cancer, or people that have cancer, like I'm always afraid of. I, I like to consider myself somebody that can give good advice when it comes to this. I I have no idea what to do. So I guess my question to you is, like, what's the one mistake people make all the time in terms of like trying to give advice or speak to somebody with cancer?
0: Yeah, it's it's so difficult because you you want to share advice, but you don't want to be all knowing, right? um That's a good point. because like i said everyone's battle is different different and we all ask this is another piece of advice i give people we we all ask how you doing you doing okay yeah and i'm i'm a big believer in um putting out the positive vibes and my answer will always be i'm doing great i'm fine i'm good unless you're really close family or friend that i you know we will open up to but i i think if you start saying oh it's kind of sucks you get down on yourself and it affects your ability to fight um mm. and i think there's a lesson there also about just life well how's your job going it's going great even though you freaking hate it it's going great you know i mean just kind of stay in that positive mindset and i think it's good for your well-being overall i don't know no, uh, this is what I, works for me
1: I think you're exactly right. Uh, it's a great, I mean, it's a great lesson for life. It is, you are what you say you are, right? Like perception is reality. You know, if you want to do something in this world, you can do it. Just say you can do it. Like, it, it's funny because like people, you know, read books or talk about, you know, the, the power of positive thought. And It's mm-hmm. like, it's the truth. Like it really is, you know, it, it, you can really do anything you want to do in your life. Like I tell my kids before they go to sleep, you can do whatever you want to do. You can be whoever you want to be. Just, you know, just do it be you do it. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I, you are living proof of that. I'm living proof of that. Um, you you sort of, you can make your own way based on how you feel and how you, you know, interact with people and what, how you say you are all those things. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Maybe when someone asks me, Hey, how's it going? How are you doing? Maybe next time I'll answer, well, I can't get a boner. I wet my pants and I could die, but other than that, I'm great. I'm fantastic. Too much. Just Too to honest? see see the look on their face, like, did he say boner? Did he just did he, tell me boner? Did he, did oh yeah, I'm an open book.
1: Oh, and then the person's like, wait a minute, did he, <laughs> Is that is that truthful?
0: Could <laughs> okay. he die at any moment? I could just, just, I could, you know, cancer's like lightning; it just could, could get you at any moment. Hey. I don't know.
1: Brutal honesty.
0: Yeah, just overwhelm them. They'll stop asking. They'll stop. Well, don't, don't ask. And, them. The,
1: and how how are you has become such a throwaway. Like it's almost like hi, right? Like it doesn't yeah. have a meaning. How are you doesn't actually mean. Like those those three words together don't actually mean what what we think they mean.
0: Yeah, and you know, sometimes I'm just gonna break down and cry. Just some stranger. How you doing? <laughs> what the <laughs> hell is going on here?
1: It was just a throwaway line, I and know, I, didn't I didn't expect you to answer. I didn't want
0: <laughs> to know. It it's been uh it's been interesting. But anyhow, I do appreciate you lending uh access to that because it's I'm pretty convinced there's a reason why I have cancer. It it wasn't by chance. There was a reason why I got it, and maybe it's not about me living a long life, maybe it's about me communicating the perils of not checking your PSA to the right person who does get to live a long life and for a very good reason. And I, I will never know that reason, but maybe that's just me having to convince myself that there's a purpose to this, but I, I truly believe that I am meant to share this message to the right person and I won't ever know who that person is.
1: Yeah. I I would say unequivocally that's true. I would, I would imagine you've already influenced a incredible amount of people, you know, that's where it's like, that's where the rubber meets the road here on, you know, we make jokes about what we do and, you know, DNF jokes, D and fart jokes, you know, and, and, but yet here you have a platform because of that, that people care about people pay attention to people listen to. And so you have, you have people's consciousness. And so through that, a message that you're sharing is so valuable and so important I, I'm sure you've already influenced so many people, some you'll never know. I'm sure hopefully some that will reach out to you to tell them to tell you how much of a difference you made in their lives because you help them understand the importance of early detection. Uh, I don't think there's there's any question about that. And that's why I talk about the strength to make to live it so publicly and the difficulty of that and how I don't know how I would react, because I hope I the have the courage that you have to do it and to be so honest and open about it. Because, because I know that you are making a difference, and that to me, you know, Holly, my colleague at SiriusXM Big Twelve Radio, Holly Rose, same same, same. thing. You know, that's it's an incredible amount of courage, and I, I I just don't have any, I don't have any doubt that you or her and her have made such a significant difference. You know, to people that are going through it, you know, I'm sure there's a, there's got to be a feeling of loneliness of you know the why me, why is it have to be me, and and then when you understand that there are other people going through it, I'm sure that it's like oh, okay here's somebody else that I'm not fighting this alone. So it's good for that. But then it's also, as you mentioned, early detection, you know, getting it out there. That that's, I don't, I don't have any doubt
0: that you've done that. The the one thing I am a little bitter about is I did 39 doses of high dose radiation. Just, they flooded my midsection and it's impacted my lower back, my bladder, my colon. I've talked about that a lot. Um, but I, unlike Deadpool, I didn't get any like powers. I didn't, (laughs) I didn't get a cool suit to wear. I I can't save people's lives. I, I just pee my pants, Ari, and I don't feel like that's a superpower. If I sneeze three times in a row, we're gonna have a wardrobe change. That's not a superpower. That's not no maybe you need 40 doses yeah, exactly maybe they just stopped too quickly they told me that was all i could have because i asked him well, okay if if it moved into my bladder um and so that's why they had to zap the whole field um but i asked him i said okay if it comes back in my bladder we're going to do more radiation and my doctor my radiology oncologist looked at me like oh hell no no you've had the most you can have i'm like really you didn't tell me that before like you were gonna give me the most radiation a human has before they morph into a goat <laughs> was, is that true i i don't know they'd never done it i don't know it's like 40 like the, doses the, your goat
1: but is that like is that true in terms of like there is a finite amount of yeah,
0: radiation yeah they told me that's all your body lifetime. can take and and now I believe them because the myriad of problems I have. Well, I make a lot of jokes about wetting my pants. I was fine. Two weeks out of surgery, catheters out. Um, I'm learning bladder control because you know the prostate. Your that's what guys learn to control when they're little kids. And right. uh, I was I was doing fine. I mean, I remember one day going to lunch with a friend and getting there and realize I had no protection. I didn't. I was wearing pads, you know, just little pads, and I didn't have any in. I'm like, oh god, I'm one sneeze away from you know, this going badly, but I was doing great. And then radiation hits. And now I, when I stand up, I pee a little bit. It's just, it, I, I get no sympathy from women. Cause they're like, Oh, I've had four children. I know exactly what you're talking about, so, but anyhow, enough of that. Um, Dave Archer, he's, he's one hell of a guy. And he, he just, it was good to meet him in person. Uh, even though he's an Iowa state guy, I think we can agree that, uh, he's a pretty good dude.
1: Yeah. No, Dave's a good dude. You know, he's, he is, um, I think he's a good co-host for me because we, we differ and disagree on a lot of different things. And I think, you know, that that's good. That's healthy. You know, for me, just the spoken word format is about perspective. And so it's, you don't want two people together that have the same perspective on life. You want people that come from two different backgrounds that have been a lot of different places that have seen a lot of different things that have varying perspectives of the world. I think that's because I think that's all the spoken word is spoken word format is, is just like your perspective of the world and, you know, and sharing it. And that's not, it's not to say it's the right way. It's just, this is, this is the things I've experienced in my life. These are the observations I've made. And so that's my perspective. And, that's what I appreciate about Arch so much is we come from two very vastly different dip backgrounds. You know, we had two vastly different college experiences. We had two vastly different professional experiences. You know, as a as a former NFL quarterback, you know, and 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 so it's good for us to come together to to provide those perspectives. And a lot of times we do disagree on things, but you know that that's good. I think that's good, and yeah. we shouldn't just have the same perspective and have the same talking points and always agree. So I appreciate about that. He he challenges me in ways, you know, that's what it's about, right? Like friends, people we have relationships with. It's about learning things, you know, providing value to your friends, getting value from your friends, those kinds of things. And, right. and no doubt that, that Arch provides that in my life, the same way that you do for me too.
0: Um, well, I'm sorry about the lessons I teach you. Um, I, <laughs> you just unwittingly shared one of my top lessons for someone in the media, uh, young people, uh, we've gone through a phase Originally, it was columnists, you know, almost like shock jocks, and now it's moved into TV where they're just pontificating, saying stuff for reaction. And I'm a true believer in don't go shopping for reaction. Just say what you believe, and trust me, you'll get reaction because people will disagree with you, but you can defend something in which you truly believe a lot easier than, well, I just kind of said that because it was going to push the needle and get me some engagement. And I see a lot of that going on. And and I think a very prominent ESPN figure has stumbled into that um, recently with contradicting himself within three or four days about a certain baseball player, and now it's blown up on him. And he, it's hard to defend something you don't really believe in.
1: Oh, my God. It's the worst It's the worst part about the media. It's the worst part about sports media. I think the the good thing is, you know, there aren't real-life consequences for what happens in sports media to a certain degree as opposed to, like, in the real media when these things happen and constantly are happening and they have real-world consequences. You know, which is probably a big piece of what we're seeing about vaccination and all the other stuff going on in the world of politics where it just becomes like a bunch of Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless is yelling at each other. And, and it's it's not really like genuine. It's just like it's like an art form or like a form of rhetoric or like a acting is what the way exactly. I call it. Like Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. Stephen A. Smith's an actor. Right. Skip Bayless is an actor. Right. They're actors. And look, the, what sucks is in the media work or it's we're, we're it's we see it. We're incentivized to do that. Oh, because you gain a larger following. You're going to make seven, 8 million, nine, ten, whatever they're making a year, skip and, and, and Stephen A. Like it, it sucks that it's, you know, everybody complains about those guys and yet nobody can stop watching them or pointing them out. And it, it's, it sucks because it just, I mean, I do it all the time too. Like I, I'll be like, Oh my God, listen to what Skip said and listen to what Stephen A said. It's like that only plays into what they want. Right. We're only falling into their trap. It's like, But yet people still watch, people still, so it's almost like we're, I think we're like, individually, we're very unique, intelligent human beings, with capable of our own thought and opinions. And, but when we get together, it's this group think thing of like, now I've got to fall into one non-contextualized group, and it it just sucks. I mean, you're right about Stephen A., like Stephen A.'s long been an ambassador for like civil rights, right? And like, you know, and and anti-racism. And then he says this thing about Shotai Otani, and it's like, Huh? Yeah. I thought you were all thought you were all about like civil rights and fighting racism, but here you are making a abhorrently racist comment. Like it doesn't make any sense, dude. But like some of these guys, like they like Colin Coward is a great example of this. Like he wakes up and nothing he said previously, he 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 hasn't said it. Like every single day he wakes up, and it's like memento. It's like starting from scratch. Like Mm -hmm. he he not said he hasn't said anything that he's ever said in life. Nothing. It's just like every day is a brand new day with nothing previously that I've said. I don't have any previous opinions. It's all just what I said today. That's it. That's all that matters.
0: Yep, but it works. You're right. It works. And you know, I'd love to make 7 million dollars, but I just couldn't take the pay cut. I just I don't know how to buy. <laughs> I, and I'm sure Sirius XM's compensating you with zeros on the end. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, yeah. Well, partner, I I I'm not quite in remission yet, but I've promised you, and you will be on the list when uh, remission hits and the guy's trip to Vegas is planned. Um, Yeah, you'll be on that list. And hopefully they will be next next spring or summer. Uh, But just a little warning. Uh, Now, this is true of all Vegas pools, not just if you're with someone with prostate cancer. If the water gets warm around you, that's not water. That's... (laughs) I'm convinced Vegas pools are fifty percent urine because nobody I've never once in all my I've seen a lot of stuff in Vegas and a lot of stuff I don't want to discuss, but I've never once seen a guy get out of a pool in Vegas go, I gotta pee, where's the restroom? I've never seen that. They just you just you can see them, they're just kinda standing over there by themselves, smiling, holding a beer. They're peeing. Just stay away from them. At least in their case they have control over, right? Yeah. Yeah, I could be just, I could sneeze and then the entire pool turns yellow. It's good.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, I can't wait for this Vegas trip. I know we, we talked about it a few months ago or a year ago or some point. Um, you know, so I I can't wait. And, um, it's going to be an awesome, I mean, it's always fun to go to Vegas, but this is going to be an incredible celebration. Yep. Um, so yeah, I I can't wait, man.
0: Well, I appreciate your time partner and take care of yourself and, uh, uh, you know what's cool about SiriusXM? Uh, you can always curse on the air, and I—I I think that's probably you can't by your contract. But I would, I would just, <laughs> I would Howard Stern the shit out of things, right I, there.
1: So I can, I can, but I feel like you should. If I get comfortable doing that, then I might like go onto the Cowboys Radio Network and just start. You know, yeah, that's a good like, point. I'm concerned about that. But uh, no, thank you, Tim. I mean, thanks for all you do, both in support of us and the great work, you know, with us and covering all these schools. And and I love what you do because so much of what you do specifically in this podcast, and I've I've listened a ton. It's not just about sports, it's about life. Um, So I appreciate you very much. Appreciate you
0: very much. I'm going to wrap this up with one really hard-hitting question. i like to do this, uh, really put you on your heels here. Okay, so uh, let's say SiriusXM uh, shuts down these these shows, and you have to become a DJ on, uh, if that's even a relevant term nowadays, I might just should my age, uh, you have to host uh, a radio music show on SiriusXM. What channel would be your comfort zone to to host i would probably be 70s on 7 or first wave or even classic rewind what would yours be that's
1: a great question so this will give you some insight into my musical tastes but i love music i would say at my core i'm a classic rock guy so nice. classic classic vinyl is probably my wheelhouse but i got to tell you man i like I love classical music. Um, like I listen to a ton of classical when I get ready for shows. I love jazz. Jazz might be my favorite music, mm. my favorite genre. Um, I love classic rock. I love, I love heavy metal. I love rap. I love country music. I literally, I know a lot of people will say like, Oh, I like all music. I literally like and appreciate all forms of music. There's a, there's few that I don't like for the generally speaking. I don't, I mean, I'm a huge fan of pop music, but, I mean, I really do love all music.
0: So you're not gonna give me an answer, man. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna put you down for pitbull radio.
1: I say classic vinyl. Pitbull radio would work. (laughs) Uh, You know, sometimes you got to take some ecstasy and dance around, right? Right. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Well, that's yeah. I
1: mean, you got to get the, you got to get the, you got to roll a doobie and uh, listen to some Zeppelin. So I'll go
0: classic vinyl. Nice. Nice. Very good, Ari. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, good talking to you. It was great to see you. Um, it was kind of embarrassing when you kept yelling at me, but uh, <laughs> slapping your ass. Yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> so embarrassing that kind of attention. Um, but uh, let's connect real soon. I, I want to hop on your show and talk about why K State football is going to be better than what everyone's saying.
1: I agree with you. I mean, anytime you got a, I mean, a 35 year old quarterback. No doubt. <laughs> No, but I agree. I do think Kansas State should surprise people, especially because of what they have on offense. We'll see what their defense looks like. They do have a bunch of transfers coming in, but yeah, I'm with you. But no, thank you, buddy. I appreciate you asking me. I've, again, I've listened to your podcast a ton, so it's an honor for me to be a guest on this, on this show.
0: Thank you, brother. Talk to you later. He's just the best. And I could have gone on a lot longer. I realized I didn't even ask him about doing Cowboys games, which was probably a big omission on my part, but we still filled about an hour. And I think you've had enough of us. I appreciate everyone listening to these. And we're approaching our 50th guest. We'll accomplish that here this summer before the start of football season, which is somehow coming up very, very quickly. And again, gentlemen, As Ari always lends me time to say when I'm on the giant torch of satellite radio called SiriusXM, make sure you get your PSA scored. It's the best way for early indication of prostate cancer and other prostate issues. I caught mine in a nick of time and it probably saved my life. Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you real soon.